Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear us Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. What do kids say when they're hungry at noon? Uh-oh, spaghetti What do kids say when they pick up a spoon? Uh-oh, spaghettios. What do kids say when they want to eat soon? Uh-oh, spaghettios. Serve Franco-American spaghettios with meatballs or sliced franks. The neat brown spaghetti you can eat with a spoon. Uh-oh, 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 spaghettios. Never fear, Smith is here. fellow classic TV fans, when William Hanna claimed that The Honeymooners was the funniest show on TV, did this opinion eventually earn him and partner Joseph Barbera a fortune? The Flintstones aired from 1960 to 66 for a total of 166 episodes, but this first ever primetime cartoon had a pretty, excuse the pun, rocky start. Simply put, it was immediately bashed by critics. It could have been worse had the tune's characters not evolved a bit before its debut. They had established that it was to be a parody of the Honeymooners in prehistoric times, but the initial animations had these cavemen with shaggy beards and even clubs. Garnering a more refined look, this classic comedy series eventually gained ground in the ratings. The idea then came to expand the Flintstones family, which proved to be the most lucrative idea possible. The initial plan was for the Flintstones baby to be a boy. That was until Bill Hanna had a conversation with their merchandising department at the Ideal Toy Company, whose keen intuition was that it really should be a girl. After Fred found out Wilma was pregnant, he memorably broke the fourth wall to announce that the Flintstones were indeed going to have a baby. This meant some serious money was also about to be made. Toward the end of the third season, the world was introduced to Pebbles Flintstone. And as a result, millions of Pebbles dolls flew off the toy store shelves. Like a chip off the old Flintstone, Pebbles' first words were, of course, yabba dabba do. The phrase was inspired by the Brill Cream slogan, a little dabble do ya. But in this instance, maybe it should have been yabba dabba do. This is Pat McCormack with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. Also, check out my new retro TV trivia podcast available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts platforms. And now back to BK on the Air. How do you mean it was you? Don't you think I know my own daughter's voice? I heard it, didn't you, Wilma? Fred. Shh, shh, shh. I think she's going to talk again. Pebble, sweetheart, you got something else to say to Daddy? Did you hear that? She said, Daddy, flop. Imagine talking at her age. Wilma, we got a genius in the family. W-B-H-F in
I just saw on the calendar that right now on Earth, it's almost Christmas time. We don't have time for trivialities like Christmas. But Peter's so sad about Gamora being gone. Maybe if we go to Earth for a really wonderful Christmas gift, it would make him happy. Something special he will never forget. What about someone special? We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. I just said that, Drax. If your voice is small and mousy, I think maybe he didn't hear you. You're coming with us as a Christmas present. Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special. Streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. There's a lot of streaming stuff coming out right now <laughs> that you can watch either in the th- maybe in the theater and streaming that's holiday-themed because it's the holiday season. It's, uh, it's for the me, it's, holiday season. It's the season. day after Thanksgiving, so it's Did you really just do that? <laughs> I didn't sing it. <laughs> no, but you, you did, thought but it. I did. Yeah, I can't, you can't say that. <laughs> but uh, do you know what one... And I'll get well, side... Well, do I'll get side... Dickery Doc. <laughs> Yeah, you have to say that carefully on radio. A lot of things you can <laughs> yes. say on radio, but you got to make sure you say don't it right. Don't cross your don't syllables. Be turned, <laughs> don't be tongue-tied on the radio, whatever you do. Um, uh, one of the songs that, that was playing on an ad last night, I can't remember what it was, but for me, it's I think it's um, it's either I think it's Andy Williams that sings this or Perry Como. I could be mistaken. It's one of the two. One of the be- and we've talked about our favorite Christmas songs or whatever. But as a kid and even to this day, there's one that when it starts the first notes of it, I get immediately in a Christmas mood. A lot some of the songs do that, but this one just really gets me there. And it's the song. It's the most wonderful time of the year the when that most, the yeah. big orchestral beginning of that build up of that flare song, of the orchestra. You know what it yeah. is, and when he pops, and then, and then the music just stops, and he says, <gasps> "It's them," and he just comes yep. in with the lyrics. That is one of the most. That's one of the best openings and Christmas songs for me. I love that one. I'll I never give get tired you of that two one. Suggestions? Do you have a smart speaker? A dumb one. It's not too okay. smart, but yeah, no, we don't. So have you one. don't have that. Do you have Sirius XM? Yes, yes, certainly do. Then the we Holly Channel is what you should start streaming. That is my favorite channel right now because it mixes the nostalgic old tunes, newer songs, newer covers of older tunes. It's a great mix. We've been playing the Holly Channel a lot. The problem with that is, I know eventually the Mariah Carey song is going to come on, and when that does, my ears start to bleed. They really do. You and I can't a, help You it. are not I an American. No, I, I can't do that one. You? Cannot do that one. That one was yeah, just. Yeah, I feel the uh, same way about Last Christmas, ooh. but I still battle through it. Oh, see, yeah, that one too. And I love, I'm a big Paul McCartney fan, but his song. Uh, Simply Wishing You. Yeah, that one starts to grate on me a that little one, bit too. I will tell you, of all of them and that I you mentioned. I love Paul McCartney. Love him. I, I don't change it. But sometimes I go, I could go in the see, other room now and work so, on see, something. So you have the ones like my Mariah Carey there that's the couple, same. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, n- None of them make but, my ears bleed. No, no, no. Some of them well, my no, ears Well, last are, Christmas well, is close. <laughs> I put cotton in my ears just to kind of hold the blood in because I know I need it. So <laughs> I just want to do that. I look and, like the elevator scene like, in, in right, The Shining. Right. It's my ears <laughs> when it comes on. 
And then, it, then in ready, ready Player One, they see it, and he's, he gets scared and runs away from it because it's so horrifying. The one, uh, the one VR guy that's yep. in there. I thought that was great. But yeah, that Christmas time is is uh, is is right around the corner. It's the day after Thanksgiving, at least in the uh, on this episode of VK on the air. But uh, you and I did watch. You've, you you haven't seen one of them. I'm seeing two Christmas streaming things so far. Well, I saw two, but we saw a total two, of three between one us. One different one, but right. one same one. Correct. We both watched <laughs> on the same night, but we weren't together. But we were together in Christmas spirit, though, spirit. watching it. We both watched and streamed Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special on Disney Plus, the new Marvel Studios mm-hmm. offering that's out right now. And if you haven't seen it, watch it because right off the bat, I'll give it a big thumbs up. It's not it's not the most perfect movie in the world, but then again, what is Excalibur? And uh, then we, <laughs> you can uh, judge for yourself. But it's a great addition to the Marvel comics, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's only about a little over 40 minutes long, right? Is mm-hmm. that right, the running I think, time? I think it's 50, 48, 40 something. It's not very long. There, Marvel's going to produce several, from what I understand, these 40 to 50 minute short films, they're calling them. They're calling them a Marvel special presentation. And I love the beginning of these Marvel special presentations. Have you noticed that when it comes on, it has this little rainbowy looking logo comes on and it says a Marvel special presentation with music. That's a total takeoff on the old CBS mm-hmm. the CBS special presentation like, with the Hawaii Five O music in the background. It's great. Mm-hmm. So I love it that they do that. Thumbs up. I thought it was great. Um, I love that they introduced Kevin Bacon in the credits. Introduced introducing Kevin Bacon. It was a, it was a nice feel of Guardians of the Galaxy. And I don't know whether you agree with me or not or, or or not, but I think the comedy that's in Guardians of the Galaxy is appropriate. That's where Marvel Marvel's comedy belongs. Not in a lot of other stuff they've tried to interject it into. But to me, it was a it was a thumbs up uh, little holiday yeah. thing. I it definitely it. is not Thor: Love and Thunder. It's not that no, stupid it's not. and goofy. <laughs> Uh, and although they kind of broached similarly what I kind of had a problem with with She-Hulk, with Mantis's character and Drax a little bit because they're the two that go to find Kevin Bacon, it didn't get as silly as She-Hulk. See, Alan, Alan examined things on a little more of a college professor cinematic well, you, you've spent all this uh, time thing. introducing a and character. <laughs> they should stay fairly consistent. And I understand that. I understand that. And, and like, like you said... Or like people should know, this is kind of sort of a slap at the Star Wars holiday special, yes. which came out, and they said that which, before they even did it. So understand because of that, there's music throughout. Music throughout, not only performed but in the background. That's and, the whole point. And in the Star Wars holiday special, there was an animated sequence introducing Boba Fett. Yep. There's an animated sequence in this, which is to me, it's, no, it's even this is more definitely well done. Tongue firmly in cheek for an homage to the holiday tongue, Star Wars holiday firmly special. Firmly in cheek and almost biting tongue with with teeth. But thing, you're right. Yes. Thankfully, though, so much better executed than the yeah. Star Wars. Yes, one. I mean it was, and we knew it would be because it's people that care about the subject matter. And, you know, uh, James I had Gunn. totally forgotten Kevin Bacon had his own band and was a singer, and I didn't know that. I didn't even know it. I was like, oh, like that's right, he sings. That is awesome. His his performance it's, at the yeah, end is great. great. It was, and is the and they and it's, in the credits at the beginning they tell told the name of the band. You remember who it was? It's some something fifty seven or something like yeah, that. It's had some a number really off. That's band. not his band, right? No. Okay, but that's another band. But it was ironically one of James Gunn's favorite bands growing up, and so he reached out and goes, "I want to do this thing. You guys want to be in it." How cool is isn't that? It, isn't it, wouldn't it be really cool and fun to know someone like that that yeah. still knows you, <laughs> that does stuff? That's great. Even he, even James Gunn, we also know that for the Guardians of the Galaxy films, he also will, he himself, from what I understand, cherry picks the songs that will be in it, the, oh. the pop songs and the rock songs. And you felt that and, throughout this. And, and you do. And when you watch it, you're like, 
especially the movies, you're like, okay, he's picked songs that weren't big hits but were really cool songs to him that are still cool, cool songs. Mm-hmm. Like the song Cherry Bomb by the Runaways, Joan, mm-hmm. the Joan Jett group before she was Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. That's a great rock song, and I remember it, but it's one of those lesser-known ones where you're like, oh, I remember that song, but I, it wasn't big, so I don't remember it that did well. They have another, it did back. they have the Runaways Christmas song? I forgot the one that they... But I thought oh, it was I the Runaways Christmas song that was in it last night, well, too. You, well, you know... Uh, or at least a well, group that sounds a whole lot Well, like I the think Runaways. you're thinking about the group called the... Um, is it The Waitresses? Maybe that, that's uh, what I'm thinking. They, they, had, they had an '80s hits with uh, yeah, that's Merry what it Christmas, is. It's, but it's, it reminds somebody. me so much of how the Runaways sing pop. "Cherry Bomb." It's but, yeah. a pop song. James Gunn hits a home run with me when he opens the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two with ELO's "Mr. Blue Sky." I'm there because he he was quoted as saying, "Well, you know, if there was this group that could do the whole soundtrack to Guardians, it's Electric Light Orchestra." I'm like, "Oh, well, that's great. <laughs> he's got me. He's he's hooked me right right there, hook, line, and seeker." Before with we me, run so. out of time, I will tell you, if, even if you think it's a little schmaltzy, you know, like ah, I don't know that there, it doesn't feel like the Guardians movie. It's not a movie. It's a TV yeah. special, and it and it does but feel like Guardians because the, they're there. The scene with Sean Gunn, who is I can't remember oh, his yeah. character. He's taking over for Yondu. He's got the fin on his yep. head. That moment between him and Kevin Bacon is just, that's Christmas encapsulated. That moment right. of sincerity we, and, and good feeling. We won't tell you what it is, so it won't spoil it for you, but it is a moment, which is great. And uh, so well everybody's done. in character. Even 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 the, the Russian dog, which is a character in comics, and I think Dude, he was in Howard was, and the Duck. He was, was great. He was he's just a cute little Irish setter dog with a helmet missing off of a spacesuit. Speaking on there, we'll have more in Flash the Audience. we got a lot of news when we come back. Raw power. Your bike can have the cycle sound with raw power. It fits on most handlebars and makes the sound of raw power. Raw power. The motorcycle sound from Ideal. Christmas is a time for closeness, and closeness is what Norelco razors are all about. The shiny new silver rotary razors in cord and rechargeable models with 36 blades, 9 closeness settings, and no gotchas. And the Ladybugs, the ladies' razors that really work. And the Ladybug Salon, a ladybug razor plus 11 grooming attachments. Norelco, even our name says Merry Christmas. But for me as a kid, coming seeing that commercial of Santa flying on the Norelco three head shaver, <laughs> coming going across the, the snow, going up, up the coming over that little hill and keep on flying. I'm like that. That meant Christmas was truly on its way or was about to arrive. Television and movies played a big uh, mm-hmm. role with us growing up too, and I'm sure nah. as, as the as the no, as, the, can as tell. the season. And hey, we're adding to that list too of Christmas things to watch. New yeah. things come out. We we're going to watch, and uh, the as the season goes growing. on. We can keep watching them as it gets closer and closer and closer. The the other little Christmas present that I like to give everybody every Saturday is the old flash the audience to the news, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. And I think you. Yeah, I've got the first news. Certainly do. Merry Christmas. Oh, see, I know you think about these things ahead of time, so I'm looking forward to see what you've dropped in my lap. I do put each one of them to us for some reasons sometimes as a method to the madness. Well, let's go into this. A California dog named Gino has been named the oldest dog living by Guinness World Records after the canine was confirmed to be over 22 years old. Wow, that's a 
you got to admit, that's, that's a awesome. long time. It, when someone has a dog that passes away at maybe 13, 14, and 15, that's a long time for me. Stacy's last dog lived to be 14 years old, and that's uh, that's a long time for a canine. Yeah, it's never long enough. No, it's not. Not to us. Owner Alex Wolf, nice name, age 40, said he and his college roommates adopted the then two-year-old dog from Colorado's Humane Society of Boulder Valley in 2002. Guinness World Records verified Gino was born September the 24th of 2000, earning him the title of oldest dog living. The previous record holder, a canine named Toby Keith, is also still living, but he is only 21 you, years old. You may recall we mentioned Toby Keith because I remember the name because right, it's a of the, popular name. Uh, last year, singer. last year is the oldest dog. I remember that actual story. Uh, what's great, like that dog, I think is a uh, Chihuahua mix. And Toby so, Keith was. Yeah, Toby I, can't, Keith. I couldn't remember what it was. Okay. And I do know smaller dogs do tend to live a little longer. They do. The smaller uh, they, the dog, the 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 weight on their hips and their joints doesn't take as much toll as the bigger, heavier dogs. Well, they have smaller bodies, so their organ and blood circulation goes a shorter route, right? Isn't that way? Isn't the way it is? Uh, Wolf <laughs> attributed Gino's continuing good health to a balanced diet, veterinary care, and the canine's own zest for life. Which no, it's amazing it's nice. how your dogs live so much longer when you really do take care of them. Well, you're right. And speaking of that, I'll I'll tie this in here. We took uh, our dog, Pippa, our sweet little girl. Uh, she's a plot hound mix. She's got that beautiful uh, brindle-colored coat, which I always think looks like a tiger for a dog. They're all striped uh, colors. We took her to the vet for her yearly annual physical last week. It wasn't due until maybe... Good thing the, yearly and annual are both in that yeah, sense. Yeah, I notice how I use both words because it makes me <laughs> look smart, reinforce. which winds up making me look stupid. <laughs> we, 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 it wasn't due until like December the 20th, but we're like, we're going to be busy in December. Uh, my wife's going to be gone to see her daughter, who's actually moving to Charleston, is going to be helping her out uh, in her new home and stuff a week before Christmas and stuff like that. So we're not going to have time. So we took her in yesterday for her, her yearly physical. Got thumbs up on everything. She was a couple pounds up but it wasn't in that area where she's overweight which is fine there's a there's a there's that there's that little chart where they're supposed to be within these pounds of of, of her, their breed and size mm-hmm. so she passed that uh she got all the little examinations she was supposed to do she got a rabies vaccine and everything and the vet came out and told us something that made us feel very very good she came out we have a great vet uh, uh in, a, in an animal hospital that we go to and we stick with them you find a good one it's like a it's like lawyers mechanics and physicians and dentists, if you find a good one that you like, stick with them because there's a lot of bad ones that, that are out there. She came out and said, Pippa was great, mm-hmm. passed everything with flying colors. And she goes, she is, for, for, a, for a six-year-old dog, she appears and acts and is the age of maybe four years old, a four-year-old dog. I'm like, that's great. I'd love to hear that because that just means that she's in really good health. Mm-hmm. She gets the nutrition that she needs, which we take the time to do that. And uh, gets the love and the care and, and all the other stuff, which you and I are. If there was an award for taking care of pets and dogs, we would be we would win the gold uh, on that in the Olympics. I don't We'd disagree with that. And, and that's, not, that's not tooting our own horn or being conceited or, or anything. That's just, I know that to be a fact. I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm like, oh, I'm so good at taking care of dogs. We just do because no. they're a part of our family. No, we take pride in the fact that they are part of the family. And we treat them like family. And we make sure they are fed well and taken care of and... There's a reason why all of our dogs have lived a lot longer than they were supposed to. And as we say, we like sometimes spending time with them more than some of the members of our own family. And that's just the way it is. Right. <laughs> Can't help it. I got the next news. A Chinese man put his precision to the test by building a 50-story house of cards. 
50 stories in a single day to break oh, wow. a Guinness World Record. Now, I've watched the Brady Bunch episode where they build a house of cards. I know it's hard. I tried to do it as a kid. I even tried as an adult a couple of years ago. I just saw a deck of cards, and I don't really play cards anymore. I used to use them to like build a house of cards on a, wherever I find them to see how far I can get, and I don't really get <laughs> I don't really get that far. Uh, Tian Rui of uh, Quindao, Shangdong Province, took on the record for the tallest house of cards built in 12 hours and completed the 50-level structure in only 5 hours and 4 minutes. The finished house of cards measured 11 feet, 0.7 inches tall. Holy crud. Guinness World Records required the house to remain. They always do this when they do the house record. They rem, they require it to remain standing after you put it together for at least 10 minutes to qualify for the record. You can't just put it together and go, oh, kids, together, take a picture of it or something. It's got to stand there. Everybody jump up and down and, with joy. And he's probably there with, like, no. these big things just blocking everything from it, like wind or sneezing or something like that. Yeah. Stay away from Nobody it. Nobody move. Stay away from it. So that's uh, turn the air conditioner off, <laughs> turn the heater off. I don't want anything going on. The whole in here. house fan just came on. <laughs> no, it all got sucked up into the intake. Oh. So maybe he could get the record of uh, biggest house of cards that got sucked up in the air conditioner. Eleven feet. How do you that is? Bal- I'd I like don't to see know. a picture. Of that. That's and, amazing. And how how many did he did he do it on the first time or did it fall once and he had to start over? I I didn't see any of that in the story. So that's bananas. Oh, do you know the scream that I would scream out if I'm like like three levels into it or? four or five levels and mm-hmm. it falls and i got to start all over again and it, no yeah. slow motion nose are the best <laughs> all right i've got the next news my life has been a house of cards that's tumbled before i'll tell you that <laughs> in the past i've had my deck spilled i've played 52 you, pickup you've drawn that uh, that uh that that two of clubs the useless right. card before oh. you, or oh. whatever it is look at that <laughs> Security staff at New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport noticed something unusual in the x-ray of a traveler's bag. A stowaway lizard cat. Oh, it was a cat. Yeah. A cat just so, so it snuck into the... They didn't know it was in there? Well, let's take a wow. look. The Transportation Security Administration said agents monitoring the baggage x-rays at the airport noticed what appeared to be the outline of an animal. The bag was <laughs> opened by a TSA officer who was shocked to see a live orange cat inside. Wow. Garfield, way too lazy to walk himself, <laughs> packed himself in a bag. <laughs> TSA spokeswoman Lisa uh, Farbstein told the Washington Post. TSA agents told Delta Airlines about the discovery and the airline was able to locate the owner of the bag who was preparing to fly to Orlando. The bag's owner said the cat belongs to another member of his family. The man was able to rebook another flight for the next day so he could take the cat home. So obviously the cat snuck into the the bag and he didn't know it. So I guess... Yeah, and, and it may be curled up, maybe went to sleep or something like that. Cats well, like to pretty, get in those little spaces, you this know. This is and pretty hide. good for the cat because they put those bags where it's not pressurized, right? And that animal would have died and in it's that bag, sealed up and 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 in the bag anyway, and that wouldn't be good for him either. Just all sealed but up. Just in the, the, bag, the, so. the lack of pressure. Yeah. They would that cat would you would have had a corpse when you landed when you opened your bag wherever yeah, you landed or a cat sickle so or something. Thank it would be you really for cold. Delta for uh, paying attention. And thank you to the guy for flying him back and taking that time to do it. I got the next news. Well, let's uh, do this when we come back. I got a story about a pair of brothers from Denmark earning another Guinness record. 
when we're coming back. Brothers? Yeah. This is a tandem record? And, and this is kind of a this is a card collection from something that's kind of an entertainment nerdy geeky thing. So huh. I'll let you chew on that for a minute. And then Alan, after me, he'll have another news flash that concerns the movie The Goonies, which is kind of cool. That's why I give you that one too, because I know you like Aren't the Goonies. Are they gonna reboot up. that? I think so. BK on there, we'll be back with that. Hey, here's Better Cheddar's Crackers, San Francisco style. Mmm, Better Cheddar's. Sourdough baked right in. Delicious tasting Better Cheddar's. The San Francisco style. Snack thin. Nabisco takes the great taste of cheddar, bakes in real sourdough, so you get Better Cheddar's. Light, thin, delicious. Ooh, Better Cheddar's. The San Francisco style. Snack thin. Better Cheddar's. Nabisco. All's quiet in Sparkle City, Captain Cleanup. Not quite, Kid Coolid. Look there. Okay, okay, we're taking over the neighborhood, see? You, Big Daddy Dirt Pile, drop candy and gum wrappers. And you, Sammy the Slop, throw empty cans around. And you, Filthy Frank, foul up the water in the air. Stop! You'll not mess up this town. No! That's it, boys. We're through. <laughs> That's where you belong, in the waste can. Make all America Sparkle City. Put litter in its place. I'll tell you the one thing I can't do is solve a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> or or uh or what's the other record we just talked about? The um Stacking and building a card house. I can house build of one. Cards. But it won't go far. Mine's a whole totally different house of cards that comes. Mine's more like the Kevin down. Spacey kind. Corruption, political. <laughs> greed, you got all that mixed in there. So. And mine is the Brady Bunch one because if I build that house of cards, yeah, my dog's gonna come in and bust it just like Tiger did in the Brady Bunch. I've got. To, we'll get back to the news flashes. I got the next news. As we teased before the break, a pair of brothers from Denmark earned a Guinness World Record by assimilating a collection of more than thirty-two thousand cards. What were those cards, you ask? They were. Pokemon cards. 32,000. <clears throat> Let me get these names right because it's in Denmark. Jans Ishoi Prin and Pierre Ishoi Nielsen. Are you, are you supposed to say it that way? I don't know. I, I like it, though. Told Guinness World Records. I heard the Swedish chef as well. They like... have been, I still think he's funny. They have been collecting their popular game cards for their entire adult lives, and their collection now totals 32,809 different cards Enough to earn them the record for the largest largest collection. The brothers said they had spent a lot of money on cards over the years, <laughs> despite some words of disapproval from their parents. That never happens. You shouldn't be buying all those cards. You should be investing in something useful. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> the brothers said the most valuable card is a first edition. I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's one of the characters. It's either... Charizard, Charizard or Charizard? I'm going to say Charizard. Oh, is that? Charizard. Okay. Well, you would know. You know about that Pokemon stuff. Yeah, I right? had kids. It, you want to know how that one, first edition card, that the one card they have that's Charizard, do you know how much it's worth? If you it's a first a edition, I'm probably Charizard. I wouldn't even know what year it came out. Eight or $10,000? $20,000 for the one Ooh. card. Oh, 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 oh. For the one card. So the 32,000 cards. Tell mom and dad, mom and daddy, you can kiss it. <laughs> I got more money than you have. And now we have a. Now you're gonna have to put a label on your show that That's, says inappropriate content. I don't can't put no label. There's already enough labels on this show already. You know, and and that's a warning. I, and I would do that too. I would do that. I'd say. 
You shouldn't be. My mom told me I wouldn't collect something and it was worth something later. I'd rub it in her nose. I certainly would Language, if it was worth violence, money. drug use, and occasional historic smoking. And many mistakes. What? Many mistakes. There was one. I can't remember. Who, I can't remember who it was, but it was one of the talk show hosts. Maybe it was a nighttime guy. Uh, who was the nighttime guy? Art Bell was it mm-hmm. him? I don't know if it was him or maybe it was. Uh, Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. He said uh, his tagline was something, something, something in his radio show and psychological nudity. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get that, but I do get it. <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing. It's, it's in your show, really. Okay, I don't know who that was. But, I don't remember, uh, but I remember that tagline. I'll, I'll remember it at the break. It's probably when I'll remember it, but it's psychological nudity. All right. Well, guess what? Knows. I've got the last news. Oh, how, how, were, how were you in 1985, by the way? In 85, well, uh, through much of it, 14. I don't turn 15 till so November. You'd so. be 14 in 80 for the most of the year, 14 right. years old, the first part of the year. Okay. So you're a Goonies fan. You like oh, the yeah. film. Did you see it when it came I out? I saw it only because we knew the, that, uh, what's his name? The guy that uh, played Short Round in Indiana yeah, Jones Kai and the Temple Huang, of Doom. Yeah, Kai Han Kwan Ga. I can't remember. Kai Han Ho. I can't remember his name. Kai yeah. Han Ho. Who's still friends with Harrison Ford, by the way. Yeah. Um, we went to go see Goonies specifically because we we're like, oh, that kid's in it. Yeah. He's in it. He's never in anything else. He's in this. Well, that's where the few years set us apart because when Goonies came out, I was, well, I was already a year out of high school. I'm like, oh, that looks like a kiddie movie. I'm not going to go see that. I've since enjoyed it since then because it was directed by Richard Donner, the directed Superman. It's a fun movie. And I would have been the guy that would have drove you to see it. <laughs> if we'd been friends, can we can we get your buddy? You take Who's Alan got a to see this movie. I'm like, okay, I'll go watch it with him. I guess we're pals. I don't even have a I'm already out yet. of high school, <laughs> but yeah, but I've, I've since learned to enjoy it. Yes, it, this is a it is story. one of my wife's favorite movies. Growing okay. up, she saw it at the same. My wife and I are the exact same age, so a lot of our memories growing up are so similar. Even though we, she grew up in upstate New York, I was in Detroit, and yet somehow we found each other here in Georgia. I uh, married an older woman. I did my too. Wife is older than me, but now I'm caught up. She's like, she goes, you can't tell people that anymore. You're caught up to me now. You have How to wait till next year. Time wise, is there a time continuum, time travel thing they want on there? Why is it just, well, I make oh, fun of it every time she, because her birthday happens in July. So I'm like, ah, oh. you're a year older than me. She goes, I'm not a year older. I'm four months. I'm like, but, when you tell someone how old you are, what number right. do you use? Yes. Guess what? I don't use you that number. Don't say months. You only do months when it's a baby. When it's a baby. Before right. a year. <laughs> So anyway, and then so she said, now that's your birthday, you can no longer tell anybody that I'm older than you. I'm like, well, you technically are. <laughs> True. I'll go along with that. She's anyway, not here. Of course, I'll agree not. with you. She's only four months. We are we are like two. And we are the bestest of friends. She didn't start listening to the program until just 30 seconds ago. That's why I said <laughs> that just now. you started saying it. <laughs> I had to put a caveat. No, we are the bestest of friends. All right. Good news for fans of Goonies. The old Victorian home featured in the film is on sale in Astoria, Oregon, and potential buyers are considering making it more accessible to the public. The 18 I didn't realize how old this was. The 1896 home with sweeping views of the Columbia River flowing into the Pacific Ocean has been listed with an asking price of a mere $1.7 million on Zillow, where it's described as fully loaded with history, nostalgia, and iconic level of fame. Since the movie hit October's October's since the movie hit theaters in 1985, fans have flocked to the home in northwest northwestern Oregon's historic part of Astoria. The city celebrates Goonies Day on June 7th, the film's release date, and welcomes thousands of people for the event. Owner Sandy Preston was known to have been largely welcoming to visitors, but she lived in the house full time, and the constant crowds were a strain that prompted her at times to close it to foot traffic. 
after the film's 30th anniversary drew around 1,500 daily visitors in 2015, Preston posted no trespassing signs prohibiting tourists from walking up to the property, but she did reopen it to the public this past August. You'll agree with me. Um, I think you will agree with me. Don't you think it's just pro and con? There's good and bad things about owning a home that was in a film. you got to think about it if you're going to buy it. Yeah. Because you got to think, okay... The Goonies house. You just had the story on it. Uh, the the um, the home in his Christmas story. Very popular How about location. The home that was used for uh, um, Poltergeist. Po- the home for Poltergeist, which you can still look up on Google Maps and find it. I've done it. it looks a little different now. Uh, the home in the Brady Bunch, recently redone on HGTV. Uh, Walter White's home in Breaking Bad, the one that had the pizza thrown up on the on the ceiling of the home, and people would go by and throw a pizza up on the house. I'm like, well, that's just disrespectful. Uh, I mean, name, name the house. There's some, so many great locations. Tony Soprano's house in, in New Jersey or New York. That was a real house in the cul-de-sac where they filmed the exteriors of his house. It's going to be a, a fun but a pain sometimes to uh, to do that and own one like that. Now, you know, this, the house in Psycho was a set house. A lot of them were fake locations, which is great. Well, allow me to indulge myself here just a second because I want to play what I think is the funniest part of the Goonies that makes me laugh every time the scenes comes up. I love it. It's Chump. I just saw the most amazing thing in my entire life. First, you got to do the truffle shuffle. Come on. Do it. Come on. Do it. Yeah, the truffle shuffle always cracked me up. The whole noise and the sound effects of this. Uh, you can tell shaking and stuff. the way those boys act and how much of that is sort of unscripted to go along with it. Oh, yeah. That is me and my friends growing up. You want a snapshot <laughs> of the stupidity of what it was to be a kid in the 80s? That movie is me and my friends. And for me, an adult in, in, in the present day, <laughs> I still do a lot of that, too. I mean, if I get, you know, let me loose in a Walmart with Stacy or any yeah. kind of grocery store, I'm, I'm going to embarrass her at least once. And really, it's not on purpose. I'll go, honey, it's just me. I said, I have to do that. I mean, it, if, it, if it happens, if a guy's in line at Walmart, he lets out a big burp by mistake, I'm just going to start laughing, and he's going to start laughing, and then so on. And he'll tell two friends, and so on, and so on. And it's just going to happen. It's just, a, she never, she wouldn't be caught dead. She goes, she goes, I wouldn't, she goes, she says, at my funeral, if somebody put a TV in front of my casket and the Three Stooges were playing, I'd jump up and go, turn that off. <laughs> she hates them so much. I'm like, this is the Three Stooges. Come on. <laughs> Hey, honey, watch What's this. Wrong? I'm going to go crop dust that row. Hold on. Watch. Start filming. Which... <laughs> watch. Go What's walk wrong by. with that? Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. That's right. That's what I'm doing right here. So it's definitely different likes for different things. But, you know, she, she does like things that I don't like that I think is ridiculous. I mean, I wouldn't be caught. Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't be caught dead watching because I sit on the couch and watch it with her out of respect <laughs> to her because she sits and watch things with me. She would. She, I sit there. And, and just am amazed by uh, the Real Housewives of Orange County in California and that stuff. Can't uh, stand uh, sometimes any of that. She, she'll put on Dr. Pimple Popper and watch it, which is it's this fascinating is- for about 20 seconds. Then, about a, after 15 to 20 minutes, I'm kind of over it and done with watching that kind of stuff. I don't think mm. I can. And she does, and this is kind of neat about her. She does enjoy watching the totally schmaltzy. 
uh, just just sickening, sweet, over the top Hallmark movies, especially in the holidays. It's like, oh, it's it's a Hallmark Christmas with with Jane Seymour and <laughs> Billy Bob At Thornton some point, or something. Aren't they all the same <laughs> story? They, they just said it in a different that. place. And she says that, and she admits it's a guilty pleasure. She goes, okay, you know. Ten minutes into it, I know how this is going to end. He's going to wind up with her at the end. Everything's going to be okay, and they'll have a dog. I'm like, every time, that's how they all. Oh, end. the girl decides to go to Oregon to write a story of a piece of, on, on a piece and finds out that an old high school flame owns a log cabin company and or, they or a bar. Build, yeah, exactly. And they build an, a log cabin and they fall in love in front of the fireplace, and it's a happy Christmas with snow falling in the end. I'm like, oh, I but, there, but there's seen a that little before. trepidation in the middle middle part of oh, it. Oh yeah, there's always that part the where the danger, like, like, oh, we're going to break up. What's going on? Yeah. He has an ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same thing. He's got a secret. And if, but, but I have more respect for people that, that admit that they they know it's that way, but they like it. That's like for people who watch professional wrestling. They're like, oh, I watch wrestling, but I know it's fake, but it's entertainment to me. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with you. But the people sit there and go, no, it's 100% real. It's 100% legit real. I'm like, oh, I, I will agree with you. It's real that they are throwing each other right. into things because they have to be in shape to do that to keep from hurting themselves. The choreography themselves. is real. Sure, I'll respect that. But it's not real. But the real. plot line? No. It's, <laughs> it's not real. And if you believe it, you need to re-examine your, uh, your beliefs and stuff. So be on there. We're going to take a break. When we come back, i got more stories. What do I got here? Chris Hemsworth came, is coming out talking about Thor and what direction he should take, and I agree with him 100%. Indiana Jones, the new Indiana Jones film. we got more stories about it. If you don't want to know about it, you better not listen. No, I don't want you to do that. Please listen. It's okay. I won't spoil it. This is Evil Knievel and the Evil Knievel shock-absorbing stunt cycle. You can make him do wheelies, backstands, even mid-air somersaults. And for that big jump, here's Evil, up and over that four-foot ditch. Evil Knievel, sold separately or with the Evil Knievel stunt cycle from Ideal. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. We dispense nostalgic geekiness, talk radio fun every Saturday, and we're glad you're with us to turn it into a podcast after I'm off Saturday. And uh, you can look for the BK Escape Pod out there on the uh, SoundCloud and Anchor, places like Spotify and the YouTube channel. Even got a, a YouTube channel where it all goes up there. The Stoodle on this day in history. Today is November the 26th, the first, the first day after Thanksgiving. And for me, the official start of the Christmas season, 1865 on this date, November 26th, Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll is published in America for the first time. And I keep forgetting it's that old of a book. It's one of those books that I did read as a kid, one of the many ones. You know what my favorite book was as a kid that I read for the first time? I loved uh, the Wizard of Oz, the first novel, the first book. That's one of the first things that got me into reading was reading the the Wizard of Oz and a and a, and a book called The Mouse and the Motorcycle. Mouse. Oh, do you remember Beverly that? Cleary. Do you remember that book? 
Oh my gosh, loved the mouse. And they, the and they made a little a uh, animated thing of it on PBS that, that that kind of wasn't the whole book, but it was like a short version of it. And I never forgot that little story about the kid's little mouse that gets on uh, his little toy motorcycle and rides it all around and has a good time with his little helmet and everything. It's a great story. And a movie premiere on this date, 1942, in the middle of World War II. What movie would have come out in 1942? Well, the great director Michael Curtiz, who directed a lot of the Errol Flynn movies, uh, Robin Hood. And, and Seahawk and all those swashbuckling heroic movies. He also directed, and probably this maybe is considered one of his most popular movies of all time, Casablanca, opened on this day, starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. Pork chops and applesauce. Pork chops and applesauce. All right, Brady. Peter. 19, he's, doing, he's, doing, uh, he's doing Humphrey Bogart. 1948, on this day in history, they sold something for $89.75 in Boston at the Jordan Mash Department Store on this day in history. You want to know what they sold for $89.75, which is a hefty price in 1948. What did they sell? The first Polaroid camera was hmm. sold, and that was the price tag. Now, that I, was I don't in 1948 was the first Polaroid camera. Wow. Now, we need to go to that site. There's this great site where we'll, that will adjust to how much $89 is today in, in today's money, and I'm sure it's probably a lot. Couple I don't thousand. have time to do it right Easy. now. Uh, by the way, I did that once. I said, honey, let's take our income that we make right now, which isn't great, let's be honest, you know. And I'm like, let's see how much we would, let's see how much money we'd have, like, during the Waltons, like <laughs> in 19, you know, 30. And see, I'm like, man, we would be super rich back then if we made this money then. Or even in 1966, the year I, I was born, this would be great money that I'm making now. Yeah, <laughs> in 1966, That would be great. It's a fun game to play, but it gets depressing after a while when you think about it. 1956, a game show premiered on NBC for the first time, hosted by Bill Cullen. Do you remember Bill Cullen, the, the, the talk show host, the game show host that wore the real thick glasses? If I showed you a picture of him, you may remember him. But uh, he hosted this game show when it premiered on NBC for the first time. It it switched hosts later in the 70s and came, became one of the hottest uh, game shows around. The Price is Right mm. premiered on NBC in 1956 on this day, hosted by Bill Cullen. Uh, and, I, and I have a video game kind of an anniversary or, or what's going on in 1982. In, in November, at least in this part of November, in 1982, 40 years ago, you want to take a stab at what was the most popular and hottest video game in the arcades during this time in 1982, 40 1982, years ago. What cabinet games? Ago. What cabinet game did they go crazy for more than anything else in 82 at this time? Oh, let's see. We had Donkey Kong. That's older. We had Pac-Man. Right. That's older. This is... 1982. Space Invaders is older. 40 years ago. Is this ago. a Defender? That's a good guess. That that could have been it, but it's not. Zach, no, not Zaxxon. I'll, I'll play this, and you'll know exactly what it is. Cute... Miss Pac-Man took the top spot in 1982 about this time. And that fact is according to the replay and the play meter charts magazines uh, that that report such things. I knew regular people. I forgot Miss Pac-Man was a mod. Oh yeah, it was it was uh, it was popular as heck. Another movie premiered on this date in 1986, Harrison Ford film, November 26. It was truly the first movie I saw him in, where I thought, oh wow, he is not 
only able or capable of doing Han Solo or Indiana Jones. He can do other things. Was and that it was, Witness? It was Well, Witness did that for me, too, but this was oh. after Witness. This was a little after Witness, like maybe a year after Witness. Witness was good for showing me that about Harrison was Ford, too. Was it regarding too. Henry? It was Mosquito Coast. Oh, Mosquito Coast. Okay. Mosquito Coast, uh, directed wow. by the Australian director. Oh, who directed it? The guy who directed Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. Peter Weir. Peter Weir. Uh, uh, an Australian director. Uh, Mosquito Coast, a film filmed a little bit in Georgia, even back in 1986. Here in they were And some in Rome, I understand, mm-hmm. uh, Mosquito Coast. 1989, a television show premiered that has people just still watching it in, in, in syndication now on different channels. Uh, you know, if I were to tape you uh, on my VC, on my camcorder back in the day and it was funny and I sent it into this place, I could win mm-hmm. ten grand. Yep. America's Funniest Home Videos premiered on this day in history, 1989. Wow. How long ago? People, yeah, we were still using video cameras and VCRs. And Bob Saget no longer with us. Uh, yeah, but uh, he was the original host of that, wasn't he? That's right. He was the. I think he was the first host of that, if I'm not mistaken. Another movie premiere on this day, 1997. One of the Alien films, Alien Resurrection, premieres on this date in history. An Alien film where I enjoyed it a little better than Alien 3. They tried to go in a different direction, and it was a little... It was odd, but it was a French director that directed it, and it was kind of a weird movie. But I don't know. I enjoyed it a little bit better than Alien 3. Now, the director's cut of Alien 3 is much better. If you've ever seen the director's cut, David Fincher... Alien Fight 3 is Club. great if you've never seen Alien 1 and 2. Right, exactly. That's the problem <laughs> That's with That's kind of what I 3. say about Superman 3, if you haven't seen Superman 1 and 2. It's like, oh, we got Superman, wonderful first movie. Second movie, he fights supervillains, and they're from Krypton, and it's fantastic. Superman 3, he fights a supercomputer and Richard Pryor. Oh, wait. <laughs> already seen the first two films. It's still a good Superman movie. It's just after those two. 2003 on this date in history, the supersonic airplane Concorde makes its last ever flight returning to Bristol, England on this day. I always thought as a kid that was the coolest looking jet. I mean, it was cool. Who would, It's so it aerodynamic. And it was it was awesome. Didn't the front of that jet pop up straight when it, it went to. in flight? But yeah. it went down it to angle to, so they could it's see. It's so heavy and so big. <laughs> Yeah. That it had to be down, pointed down to help get right. the drag to get up. And then once it was in supersonic, it would go straight. Another movie premiere on this day in history. 2018 DC superhero film Aquaman, directed by James Wan, starring Jason Mimosa, opened in theaters today. And in 2018, another uh, event. NASA's InSight mission lands on Mars after a seven-month voyage in 2018. Their InSight mission lands on Mars. I hear they're gearing up to put another, uh, uh, send some more people to the moon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's is it NASA. Or is, I think it's NASA's testing their new uh, yeah the Artemis vehicle. rocket. Yeah, and um, we put people on the moon again. It'd be kind of cool, I guess. It's the neat. closest we've been to the moon in many, many, many years. Other than unmanned Alice spacecraft. Cramden on honeymooners. Yeah, you're right. The, <laughs> to the moon, Alice. You're going to the moon. Birthdays, right? Quick. One of them we'll talk more about in the program today. Charles M. Schultz, the the creator of Peanuts, American cartoonist. He died in the year 2000. Uh, Rich Little. Comedian, Canadian-American impressionist and actor. I was always a rich little fan. Love seeing him on the Dean Martin roast. And uh, Tina Turner, she's 82 years old today, American-born. And I forgot, she is from Nutbush, Tennessee. I forgot she's from the South. And that's great. We'll have what national day it is. And a couple people passed away. We'll go through those two uh, that you might remember when we come back. It's BK on the air. And now, these messages. Think you know today's food prices? Try and guess the cost of this dinner. Three pieces of batter dipped chicken, fried crisp and golden, fluffy whipped potatoes, tender sweet vegetables, and apple cake cobbler for dessert. What's your guess? About $2? $2.50? Wrong. It's about 85 cents 
and it's a Swanson fried chicken dinner. That's some value. Swanson can change your ideas about today's high food prices. Your audience is ready, so put on your dancing shoes. Reach out, reach out and touch someone. Reach out and turn them upside down. When you have a great day, reach for the phone and share the occasion with people back home. Reach out and touch a winning smile. Reach out and touch someone far away. Give them a call. So call Shady Hills today. Remember, there just might not be a tomorrow. And speaking of foul play, dig this. At Hutchins Community Hospital, we care about you. From the cradle to the grave. At Hutchins Community Hospital, where malpractice is rapidly becoming a thing of the past. So be sure to ask about those Hutchins gift certificates for the man who's contracted everything. Hey, we're back. It's PK on the air having a good now holiday time as we inch up toward Christmas, the day after Thanksgiving. I want to tell you a few more things about On This Day in History, or On This Day, rather. Today is November the 26th, and it is national, it's always National Something Day. It's National Cake Day. Boy, isn't that appropriate from all the cakes and the other things you're going to try with all the leftover uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving stuff. You said you saved room in your belly for any more leftovers. You didn't overdo it this year, right? I didn't. I managed. Good for you. I'm I glad somebody's I got stayed pain-free. Willpower to do that. That's great. That was my goal. Just, I don't want to be in pain. National Cake Day delivers a scrumptious treat for everyone to enjoy. Slide over pie this day. This day takes the cake. It takes center stage as the dessert of choice. I don't like all cakes, by the way. And I never liked, oh, I never was a big strawberry cake fan. But but Mrs. BK makes a strawberry cake now like none other I've ever tasted. It was fantastic. Now, I'm not saying that to make her feel good. Because her and I re- respect each other when we're true for We're like, listen, Love changes try the this. flavor of things. Yeah, well, yeah, but try this because if it sucks, I don't want everybody else to eat it. So I have to tell all the truth about it. So we trust each other at least when it comes to that. Looks, though, that's a whole different thing. She, she makes me feel good about my looks, which I know she's lying through her teeth, but that's fine. It makes me feel really good. Today is Small Business Saturday, as you well know, Saturday after Thanksgiving every year. And we're going to say goodbye. To a couple of people here the last couple of days or last week, a couple of uh, kind of celebrities have passed away. We, we learned, uh, I learned today or this morning rather, early this morning, that Irene Cara from Fame passed away. She had that big hit song mm-hmm. uh, from Fame. And uh, didn't she do the song from Flashdance too, right? What a feeling. She sung yeah. that too, yeah. And she was an actress. She was in DC Cab. She was in Fame. And there was another 80s movie, and I can't remember the other 80s film she is. I had it, had it written down. Is it right here? She, you know, Just check her out, Irene Cara. Now, her obituary is all over the, the news right now. Very, very big pop hit for her. Uh, and also a lady named Kimberly Heron passed away. And you may not know who that is, but if I tell you who you is, you'll go, oh, I know exactly who that is. All us guys loved music videos, most of them anyway, in the early 80s and the early days of MTV, and especially ZZ Top had some great videos, and we talked about it back when the bassist passed away. I guess it was earlier this year or last year when he passed last away? Last year. Okay. Their video would, would air in the 80s, and I'd always love it because uh, it was Legs, <laughs> the song Legs. And, you know, let's just say that ZZ Top liked to endow their videos with uh, 
young ladies in there, you know, possible models, you know. Well, if you're telling a story about a woman with pleasing. hot, sexy legs, you don't put somebody who no. doesn't have hot, sexy right. legs in it. Pleasing to the eye, especially yes. to this young kid fresh out of high school. But she was the blonde in the very, in, in the, she was like the ghost, the, the, the girl that was just in, with the red top on. Uh, in the in the ZZ Top video, and now that I learned how old she was when she passed away, it just kind of go. Oh, that kind of hits me right in the old uh, classic of the kid feel. Now, when you, you said know? that, now I'm having a like it's a convergence of two different videos at once. Right. Isn't the legs video the one where they there? It starts off that she's kind of being made fun of because she's kind of dressed frumpy and everything. No, I don't think that's her. This is the girl that looks good from the from the start. From the start, I'll have to show you a picture of her. And we'll watch the video. Well, what's the, the video break, where, where and by the end, though, she's all which, dressed up right. and she's, and she's wearing a short about? skirt and everybody's like jaw dropping. I don't like, know. <gasps> like it's, it's, a, it's a Cinderella kind of story loosely in the background I'll where she's made up. up all kind of frumpy and she doesn't. But then they get her all dressed up. They take her and she put all these hot right. clothes and all of a sudden like everybody goes, oh, well, my God, she's no. gorgeous. I think Legs is that video, but I think she's one of the ones that dresses the girl up. She's one of the bunch of girls that make her look better. I thought she was the Legs girl. Now, this is the one girl's wearing the the black bottom, the black skirt, and the and the and the red top that's got that eight set. Well, you know 80s what? We're just going to have to queue it up. Just going to have to watch break. it on I the break. Seen it. I, you know, it's, it's and, education and research. And it's going to you know, it's going to take up, it's waste a lot of time to do that when we could be doing something else. I want to be clear to the audience. In, you in know? Ghostbusters, when they're they when they're asleep up in the firehouse and they're dreaming, you know, they're having this dream, and and uh, and Dan Aykroyd looks down and the covers are moving on his on his bed in Ghostbusters, and he wakes up. Up and he sees this ghost, this really beautiful ghost hovering above her. That's her playing her too in Ghostbusters, and I did not know that till today. Till if there are up. such things as the ghosts like that, I need to hire her now. Well, okay, I don't know that they exist, but yeah, go ahead. That would be awesome. Somebody in your household might not like that, but that's fine. You but it's ghosts. I, I can't control <laughs> she's it. She's not was, alive. You know, I was she's paralyzed. A ghost, so. I couldn't yeah. move. I was in fear. So a couple of people we said goodbye to, and and the girl in the ZZ Top video. I know that she wasn't a superstar, but when I but I was but her her appearance in the legs video made such an impact. I'm like, oh, there's that girl that's so nice, cute, and uh, so pretty in the legs video, and you see her every time you watch it. It's just oh, someone from a video in my childhood in my teenage years has passed away and it just kind of hit me and I'm like oh wow she was in her mid 60s when she passed away so it kind of made me feel a little bad I want to do one more quick movie movie review here another one that I watched uh, streaming on HBO Max it's no secret we've talked about it before one of my my, if one of if not my favorite Christmas movie for me is uh, Bob Clark's a Christmas story about Ralphie wanting the BB gun. To me, I've loved that movie ever since I saw it first. A lot of people didn't discover that movie until many years later after it had become a cult classic. It didn't do that well when it came out in the theater. And no, I think I've it was 83 it when was it was It was a flop released. in the theater. But it was, I, some things are a flop, and, and I know that you know this, but some things are a flop, and you're like, how did this not, how did this flop? Some things are so good, and when they flop, you're like, man. I mean, some of the flops, you're like, oh, I see why that didn't make any money. That was terrible. But when some I, movies flop, I can't understand. I'd it. have to go back and look at the trailers, but I I would probably say more often than not a bad trailer. You walk in thinking it's going to be one movie and it ends up being something else. Yeah, and that was what I thought when I saw the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer from Marvel. And I'm like, I've learned since then just to trust Marvel. Well, I don't know about now. <laughs> now I have no, a little no. distrust with Marvel <laughs> over the past year or so, maybe. But yeah, but, uh, but yeah some some movies a trailer will make or break it. And that's you really got to make a trailer really good because that's the first thing someone sees mm-hmm. on whether or not they should go see that film. And a movie poster too. The the art of movie posters is gone. Sometimes movie posters about a movie you look at it, and you're like, I have no idea what that's about by the poster. It doesn't tell me anything. I don't want it to give the movie 
movie away, but give me an idea. This is an artist's designer's rendition of trying to convey to me the message what this movie's about. I didn't have to worry about that looking at the Indiana Jones posters, you know, the, the Rocketeer or, or, you know, some of these other posters that are just were phenomenal, the Star Wars posters, the Star Trek posters, all these great, even the comedies. You look at the Caddyshack poster, it's a great artist poster, but you know exactly what, like, oh, this is a comedy with golf involved. Okay, now I know what it's about. And the trailer was good. Well, I watched A Christmas Story Christmas last night on HBO Max, the sequel. Now, I know A Christmas Story has had, I think, two direct-to-video or direct-to-home video sequels that came out, but they weren't really good at all. So we're going to ignore those and make these two films the only canon (laughs) in the Christmas Story cinematic universe. Ralphie's back. He's all grown up now with two kids and a wife and, and his own. Now, he's in charge of Christmas because Dad has passed away. Actually, he, Ralphie, and I'm not, giving, I'm not giving away any real great plot points here, but this is the story. Ralphie's at the beginning. He's getting ready for Christmas with his family, and he and he's about to go see his, his parents, their grandkid, their, their grandfather and grandmother. And he gets the call from Mom that Dad has died. He actually finds out in the first scene of the show that his dad has passed away. Darren McGavin, we know, great actor, passed away. He's a night stalker on television. He was in so many things. He's such a good actor, Darren McGavin. And he's passed away. So it's now Ralphie's got to assume that role of, you know, taking care of everything because his mom she's getting older she can't do it what i liked about this film it felt like visiting an old friend a christmas story i consider movies and tv shows that i love that's why people ask me how can you keep watching reruns and watch movies over and over again after you've seen them once or maybe twice why ever watch them again i'm like dude what are you talking about i mean is that that's that's kind of ridiculous if you think that that's fine but i revisit these things even knowing how movies end i can still enjoy the heck out of them while i watch them still knowing some of them are so well done that I forget for a minute. I'm like, is he going to get out of it? Oh, my goodness. And of course he does. Christmas Story is one of them. This felt like an old, let's talk about Linus and Peanuts. Felt like my blanket, you know, that I always want around me to keep me warm. It was an old friend. Some of the highlights of this film include uh, the mom actress that does, Melinda Dillon is not playing the mom in this. She played the mom in the original. She also, you might be familiar with her as Barry's mom, the little kid on Close Encounters of the Third Kind. She's not in this because I found out well, she's really, she's in her 80s now. I don't know that it would be that appropriate to, to, to put her in it. But she's retired from acting many years ago. And she just didn't – it's not that she didn't want to. She's like, I just – you know, if you don't act for a long time, you're just kind of kind of done with it. I think kind of like Kelly McGinnis wasn't in the Top Gun sequel. You know, there's some things you can't make Well, happen. when you talked to her, they said – well. Well, she's all. She was all for not being in it, though. She agreed. Kelly McGillis. Yeah, no. not being in. I, I, I quoted. I saw a quote where she's like, she "I understand said they why don't they don't want, want people my age and my weight and, in and, movies and anymore." She said that I totally agree with that for this role. Yeah, but the I way she, she said okay it wasn't like, "Ooh, thank God I well, dodged that bullet." One way or the other, I think she's uh, Melinda Dillon is is she's retired. Peter Billingsley, uh, by the way, Julie Haggerty plays the mom in this one, who played. Uh, the girl in airplane, the first two airplane films with Robert Hayes, his girlfriend in the movie. Uh, Peter Billingsley is great as Ralphie in this. You may have seen him recently in the Marvel he Cinematic look Universe. Like the kid, you know what I'm saying? Some people you still kind of see the kid in him. And the trailer I saw, I was still like, see kid, his kid you face. Still, in his okay, because I, I look yeah, at him like, glasses. He doesn't even look. He still has the lisp even when he talks. The little lisp really? he talks with, yeah. I th- and maybe if you watch the when you find, when you see the film finally, it may come out and you'll see it. But he's great as the kid. He's recently been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was in uh, the Spider-Man uh, movie with Mysterio when they go to London. That's far from home, right? Far from home. Far from home. And he's also in Iron Man. He's the one that's trying to build the art reactor. And uh, Obadiah 
uh, Tony's buddy, who's the traitor to him, uh, he's like, he Jeff Bridges, it in a cave. he's yelling at him. That's Peter Billingsley in that scene. Now Billingsley, uh, I think he's wearing a toupee in this because I think he's lost his hair, but he's got a he's wearing a hairpiece in this. Too. He still looks like Ralphie. Um, I have a headpiece. And uh, that's right. headpiece on my head. And uh, it's shot even in the way the old film was shot. They tried to make it look like Bob Clark directed it because it kind of looks the same way. They have a narrator, the narrator for the old film. Uh, but the narrator for this one is Ralphie. He's narrating the movie, you know, telling about what's going on. And he has even some of the same problems as his dad did. The the, 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 the bumpkusses are still living next door with the hound dogs that are barking, the ones that steal the turkey off the table and they're not looking. They're still there. They don't do that again. But they're still there. Almost every one of Ralphie's friends that were in the original, you know, when they stuck the tongue to the pole and it froze and everything, all of his friends, the original actors, actors have come back to reprise their role in this. And it's, it's great. I think it's great. There are appropriate flashbacks to the old film, which is great when they talk about the past. And uh, that, there is kind of a there's kind of a BB gun moment in it, which is good. There's a lot of similar things that happen. He even has trouble with his car like his dad did with a flat tire. It's just great. I thought it was really well done. I don't know if it's a, a big a classic as the old one, but it was still great to be on there. Oh, life moves fast. One day you're playing kick the can with kids named Flick and Schwartz. And the next thing you know, you're a certified adult. Ralph! Ralph, dear old man. Fragile. He was the best. Ralphie, promise me we're going to make this a wonderful Christmas. That would make your father so happy. I promise. What had I done? And now it was all up to me? I suggest you start drinking and don't stop till New Year's. Kids, who wants to go see Santa? This is amazing. Incredible. We will meet you right here when you're done. Don't let him kick you in the face. Huh? It's the half happy season. Now, um, no, when it's just us decorating, it kind of feels like child labor. Honey, it's not labor if we don't pay you. Yeah. Cheers. There'll be much mistletoe. My dad made this all look so easy. Mm. That doesn't mean it was easy. Oh, I got it now. Get out of there! That's brutal. It's the most wonderful time. Slowly I could feel the Christmas ember beginning to glow again. One bite of a York Pepman patty, and I get the sensation of standing in the middle of a lake while cool water splashes all over my body. York Peppermint Patty, get the sensation. When I eat a York Peppermint Patty, mm, I get the sensation of being in a forest, and the only thing I hear, honey, is the dew dropping off the cool green leaves. <laughs> York Peppermint Patty, get the sensation from Peter Paul. When it comes to shows about movies and comic books, heroes and crazy news, I tune into BK on the air from 10 to noon Saturdays. We feared we would be at war forever without the protection of our gods, but now peace shall reign. In return for your service, please accept these gifts. 
as is tradition, the protectors of our world are bestowed with great beasts. Giant goats! Oh, look at those! They are wonderful! Oh, look at that! Those things are beautiful! King Yakan, thank you so much. Listen, um, about the temple. Um, I don't want to talk about the temple. I, I know, but if we were to talk about it, I think it's important to... It's making me sad. ...material objects. And mad. Okay, I'll stop talking. <laughs> Yeah, a little Thor, Love and Thunder. Alan Sanders' favorite Thor film right there. A little clip from Thor, Love and Thunder. It's not even funny re-listening to it. (laughs) Not even looking. At least you didn't have to watch it to hear the sounds to it. Well, I play that for this reason. This this has came out this week, and I actually got this the article from SlashFilm.com. Chris Hemsworth wants a radical shift in tone for a potential Thor 5. He says, of all the major heroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Chris Hemsworth's Thor may have had the bumpiest ride of all. His first two solo movies, Thor and Thor Dark World, weren't nearly as memorable or well-received as the pre-Avengers films for Iron Man and Captain America. I'm going to say I agree with that even with me at first, when I first saw them. Now that I've gone back and watched all the movies together and where they're connected together, they, they, they're better, they seem better to me now as all it all fits together. Maybe that's what they were thinking at the time and we just didn't get it because we were still in our infancy right. in the MCU when the first Thor film came out. And we were still kind of early in it when Dark World came out in, in, in relative term of how long it's been going on. So I'll halfway agree with that statement. Says they weren't terrible exactly, but they just were a little bit dull. Eh, well, okay. This is who wrote the Michael Bowl wrote the article. The love interest Jane, Natalie Portman, wasn't particularly memorable. I will agree with that. Loki's wasn't yet developed as the beloved character he'd end up being, and the director went a little overboard with the Dutch angles. Well, I don't agree with that because I think the comic did as well. But then Thor Ragnarok came along and changed everything. It was funny, sharply written, and most importantly, it was full of life. I will agree with that with Thor Ragnarok. It, it had the right mixture of everything, and I liked it much better than Thor Love and Thunder. That's why you and I were both were completely surprised when the same filmmakers made the next one, and we were like, why did they just take everything silly and up it you know, right. 100%. It just doesn't work when you give me more of that. That just doesn't work. Now, after the success of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel seemed confident that audience audiences wouldn't be turned off by a movie that goes too weird or funny. That spent most of its time anyway far from Earth. It helped that almost every side character from the first two movies were unceremoniously un- dropped. A bold movie that turned out really for the best. And it's 770-386-1450. Somebody's calling right now live. Hey, it's BK on there. Hello. Hey, BK, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Happy Thanksgiving. This is uh, Steve from Cartersville. Hey, Steve. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too, buddy. Yeah, uh, this is a little off topic, but I, I was thinking about you and Alan and, and you know, Hannity and Bortz and all the big hitters. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Did you just um, include I, us in all those legendary radio guys? You included us into that group? I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And, and what got me on this topic was, have you seen uh, Paul Harvey's last speech? Uh, yes, I did. I'm I'm one of the biggest Paul Harvey fans in the world. That man probably was partly responsible, along with WKRP and a lot of other things, into helping me wanting to do radio. He was fantastic. He did television spots in the 70s, too, that I got to watch as a kid. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to throw that out there because that's a big shout out to you guys and all y'all do. And I appreciate Alan and all the all the um, energy and effort he puts into getting his information and putting it out there and educating me. Thank you. So, I appreciate and, that. And you as well, man. Your show is hilarious. I love it. It makes me laugh. Well, I appreciate that like you, you wouldn't believe. You are too kind to call in and say that. And you have a Merry Christmas as well because I know it's right around the corner. But thank you, buddy. I do appreciate it. 
All right. I'll enjoy the rest of your show now. Thank, Thank you. Thank you guys. for listening. All right. Bye-bye. Wow, well, that was nice. That was kind of a Thanksgiving thing. I, I feel all, I don't even know if I can go on with this horrible, well, this is a good Thor story because it means maybe it'll be better. But that felt good. I, yeah. I appreciate that when that happens. But uh, back to the story, which I'm sure that he's interested in hearing, too. The Thor, the, yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the shift in tone was not lost on Chris Hemsworth when it comes to Thor and Thor Love and Thunder. Quote, he says, you look at Thor and, you know, the Dark World, they were quite similar, the two movies. Ragnarok and Love and Thunder are similar. I think it's about reinventing it, he said in a recent interview. I've had such a unique opportunity with Infinity War and Endgame to do very drastic things with the character. I enjoy that. I like keeping people on their toes, unquote. Now, he's he's not as disappointed in Thor, Love, and Thunder as we are, but he's just saying the last two films, we've had a shift in tone with Thor. I think that's played out. Let's get back to kind of a seriousness thing with maybe, I don't know, a couple of comedy scenes thrown in just for to lighten it up a little bit, which is how you're supposed to make right. something, and then get back to what, what we were What I doing would before. argue, and I, maybe he's got to be judicious because he wants to stay in the position and not get fired. Right. He's what trying to be diplomatic about it. is the Thor we got in the first Thor, he was a kid basically still and dad a had to spoiled brat kid right, in was, royalty with an ego and he acted a certain way and it was consistent but he, he softened a little and then as they were brought in the avengers and he was forced to work with humans and other beings right and the guardians he became yeah. softer but it gradually allowed him to get to ragnarok and it was a great progression right what well, you go from ragnarok to love and thunder is night and day that's not just right. a shift that is like who is the character? It's like you're. I said right. my wife said it's like the movies that mock the other movies. Right. I you're making a parody of yourself. This is a parody of no. of Thor. This isn't the Thor that we know. You know what I will uh, compare that to, and I'll finish the story here. There's not just a little bit of it left. He says Hemsworth. He says isn't bashing his latest film or anything. We'll we'll do that for you. He does agree that it's time for a breath of fresh air. He goes when it comes to when it comes becomes too familiar with comedy and things i think there's a risk in getting lazy because i know i know it's because i know what i'm doing he explained there are currently no details for a fifth thor movie and hemsworth himself isn't 100 percent sure that he'd be coming back for it either way he goes i think it would have to be a drastically different version and tone everything just for my own sanity before i come back unquote i'm hmm. like okay well that's good the good news about that as Marvel, for all its flaws, tends to be good at listening to audience feedback and adjusting accordingly, I guess it says here. The studio realized the tone in Thor and its sequel didn't work, so the third one switched things up. Then, when the MCU went too far in that direction for the fourth movie, as we well agree, uh, so it wouldn't it wouldn't at all be surprising if the formula is adjusted again for the sequel, which I, I tend to hope and believe. Hemsworth wants something drastically different for his next solo Thor film, and there's a good chance he'll get it, and so do we. We agree. We hope they do that. I would, and what you said about uh, what they said about Thor being very, you know, he's a brat, and Thor, and Thor, and Thor, he realizes at the end, and and, and gets into good graces back with his father, and gets his hammer back, and everything, and becomes worthy mm-hmm. to carry. Um, I would say that Thor is very, it's a very Shakespearean Wagner world of the Norse gods and stuff, and that's the way the comic book was. It very rarely delved into comedy in the in the comic book, but it did sometimes. He turned into a frog once. That was, and it was a very good yeah. good story how they did it, but it didn't last long. But I would say that in this in the way, and then you say he was influenced by the Avengers and stuff, and he became a little more human mm-hmm. and started cracking jokes and loosened up a little bit more. They did an interview with Patrick Stewart. 
and it was called the Captain Summit. And Whoopi Goldberg sat down many years ago. I think it was 10 or maybe 15 years ago. You know, when you get old, things blur together with years, how far away it was. They had William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Patrick Stewart, and Jonathan Frakes in a captain's round table, just talking to them, just having fun, talking about Star Trek, what they thought about it and stuff. And they said, they said, well, what was, they asked Patrick Stewart, what was, what happened to you in Star Trek? What did you learn from it? And what did you walk away with it? He goes, he's sitting there and he's Patrick Stewart, you know, Shakespearean actor, you know, he could have been in a, he could have played Odin, you know, but he's been in X-Men. He goes, well, Star Trek and America taught me how to be funny. <laughs> he goes, when I first started, and, and the guy that played Riker, Jonathan Frakes, he goes, oh yeah, I agree with that. When, when first half of the first season this man when we joke around on the set and stuff he'd get mad he's like we are not here to have fun we are here to film we're here to work and how dare you do that these people are working 12 hours a day and you don't uh, take up their time by goofing off and stuff you know and they were like come on patrick loosen up this is america this is not the royal shakespeare we're doing star trek you know blah blah blah. and he goes so many years that he goes i got to where i could crack jokes and be funny Mm -hmm. and and it lightened me up i would i would say that's a fair comparison of talking about thor how we just did it's kind of like the same influence mm-hmm. on him mm-hmm. that they had to loosen him up because because somebody i can't remember looked at him and go oh yeah you were yeah you were you were you were amusing at first but you're funny haha now <laughs> patrick stewart <laughs> and he is funny he, you can tell in his interviews he's not much less stoic and you know uh much less serious than he used to be in his early interviews and stuff mm-hmm. so i would say that was a good analogy talking about thor being influenced by us uh, stupid humans from earth <laughs> Well, the thing is, the progress was gradual, and it worked. It felt good. It did. It did. He's a great character. Thor is, you know, worthy of films and stuff. So I hope they do. hope that article's true. I hope they go in a different direction. I'm all for it. Speaking of there, we got more news when we come back. Maybe some Indiana Jones stuff. Play to win. You never lose. And seven-up's the one you choose. It's a natural kind of taste. chunks of apple in a pie that's packed to go. Uh, Dolly did it. Who put juicy red cherries in a neat-to-eat treat? Who put a creamy chocolate filling in this great little pie? Is this a test? Nah, everyone knows it's Dolly Madison who makes delicious packed to go pies. Cherry, apple, and chocolate, all with flaky golden crusts. Dolly Madison did it. Everybody knows that. Are we going to have a prayer? It's Thanksgiving, you know. Before we're served, shouldn't we say grace? In the year 1621, the pilgrims held their first Thanksgiving feast. They invited the great Indian chief, Massasoit, who brought 90 of his brave Indians and a great abundance of food. Governor William Bradford and Captain Miles Standish were honored guests. Elder William Brewster, who was a minister, said a prayer that went something like this. 
We thank God for our homes and our food and our safety in a new land. We thank God for the opportunity to create a new world for freedom and justice. Amen. Peanuts Thanksgiving special scene there. The reason I played that's because, well, it's Thanksgiving. That's a good good reason to do that. But uh, I have another reason for it. It's Charles Schultz's birthday today. And I have a couple of stories here, a couple of things about Peanuts and Charlie Brown and Snoopy and all the gang that fits right in with what's going on. Some of it I had no idea that this was the case for MeTV. Charles Schultz had it in his contract that no one could take over Peanuts after he died. So that's the the comic, I guess. Some media's hmm. goes on for years and years and maintain the same great quality. Others, audience will argue, lose what makes them special as time goes on. Some people, sometimes people will uh, join uh, to one big jump the shark moment where the media took a downturn or something. Other times, it just gradually loses steam and it just isn't the same thing. I know several comics and comic strips and things that lost it after their creators was gone. One of the biggest reasons fans frequently bring up when they feel a franchise stops having that special something is when the creator or part of the original team steps away from the project. Mm -hmm. One perfect example I'll bring up is the Muppets. I mean, some of their later stuff was okay, but without Jim Henson and Frank Oz at the helm and, and now hearing stories that Disney doesn't really want any of them back, especially Frank Oz, you know, he's the only, kind of the only classic one left, that makes me feel bad. Well, Charles Schultz, creator of Peanuts, apparently felt the same way. Quote, when I retired, Schultz said in an 1989 interview with the Quad City Times, that's the end of the strip. It's in my contract, unquote. That's what he said. The source of this uh, stipulation comes from a surprising source. Schultz, five children. It was mainly my children's idea, he said. They didn't want anyone but dad drawing it. Mm. A Detroit Free Press article of 1995 elaborated, quote, the television specials can go forward. He trusts those people, and there can be a rerunning of classic strips, but nothing new will issue forth from a pen pretending to be his. That someone else would uh, pen pig pen is an odd notion to his children and him, as asking who would paint Picasso's after Picasso passed away into the next life, unquote. That's how they looked at it. But they did do the 3D animated, so I guess if when it no, comes No, no, they're to saying comic strip Just only, a comic strip. Only, only the art and the stories. Any of the media stuff they said, other people, he said he trusts people to do that. Okay. So, yeah, now when Schultz announced his retirement in 1999 due to a cancer diagnosis, audiences across the world who mourned the loss of the new Peanuts adventure, but many agreed with the creator. So he died in 2000, I think. So, yeah, but it is for Charles, Charles M. Schultz's birthday today. So I didn't know a lot of that was part of what he had set up, which I guess, you know, there's nothing wrong with being that way. He just wanted to make sure no one took it over and messed it up. Now, yeah, I guess he was okay with the movies, and he loved how he he loved the films that he'd seen up to that point. So he trusted someone to do that. So then I've got another story here that ties in with that. In nineteen, this is a story from MeTV, the MeTV staff. Nineteen sixty nine, Snoopy and Charlie Brown were a part of the Apollo ten space mission, and I didn't know that either. Another cool story that ties in with Charles Schultz. In sixty nine, the characters that audience had grown to know and love from Peanuts comic strips leapt onto the big screen with their first feature film, A Boy Named Charlie Brown. You know, Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, Schroeder, and, of course, Snoopy, charmed on the big screen, and the movie became a critical and box office success. However, Charlie Brown's trip to the Spelling Bee wasn't the only journey that the Peanuts gang would take that year. The Charles M. Schultz Museum says it is difficult to imagine, although some remember it well, the excitement that the race for the moon invoked over 50 years ago. And it did. It was over 50 years ago. Everybody was giddy that we were going to the moon. 
As the decade of the 60s was coming to a close, America and the rest of the world waited with great anticipation to see if NASA could achieve uh, President John F. Kennedy's challenge put forth in May of 1961 of putting a man on the moon by the end of the decade. Now, according to the Time Herald, Schultz, a staunch advocate of the manned space exploration, allowed his characters to be used by NASA and Apollo contractors to promote the project with the hope that Snoopy would provide his necessary touch of humor to the very serious and exciting business of, of designing, manufacturing, and testing man-made space vehicles. Mm. The Schultz Museum said that, consequently, it was a very great honor indeed when the crew of the Apollo 10 chose to nickname their command and lunar modules Charlie Brown and Snoopy, respectively. The flight of Apollo 10 in May of 1969 was the dress rehearsal for the lunar landing that was scheduled for July, 19, July of 1969, a little later. Astronauts Thomas Stafford and Eugene uh, Kiernan piloted Snoopy within 50,000 feet of the lunar surface as they scouted the landing area for Apollo 11, while John Young orbited the moon in the command module Charlie Brown. Of course, that wasn't the first time Snoopy worked with NASA, nor would it be the last. In fact, the previous year, NASA had made Snoopy their official safety mascot. To this day, the Snoopy, the Silver Snoopy Award program is used to encourage safety in NASA employees and their contractors, and the accompanying Silver Snoopy pin is a highly coveted honor, even with NASA now. Hmm. So they kept Sno- Snoopy's been a part of the space program, the Peanuts characters. And for some reason, I may have heard that at one point, but I, I didn't remember that, and I thought it was very cool. Hey, when you're, when you're that much into pop culture and you created those kind of characters... It's kind of fitting to know, and we talked about this, like, you know, some of these celebrities or people that are well-known around the world, I'd like to think that uh, maybe on their deathbed, this is just me hoping, <laughs> that they know and they feel all of that, you know, as they're, as they're maybe starting to slip away, and they're like, man, I can't believe all the joy that people love that I've done. It's really great, and I'm glad to have been a part of that, and it's just some small consolation of what you added, hopefully. That's just me wishful thinking. Well, there's a It'd reason why I used this year when I greeted all my friends on texting with thanksgiving that i did a, a shot of charlie brown and snoopy yeah that's one of the cool thanksgiving ones to use because the thanksgiving special did but just it's charlie brown it's great. a boy and his dog and yeah if that isn't me and you and most of the people that i know that are animal lovers oh yeah happy i'm so thankful for that and there's always a meme and they put different words to it but there's always this one that's floating around i don't care what the caption is i just like the image it's the image or it's the image of um of charlie brown sitting with Snoopy on a pier looking out over the water and there's a sunset in the mm-hmm. background and I don't know I think it maybe Charlie Brown has his arm around Snoopy or something like that and it's just the perfect image and I'm like that it's that's from that's, behind that's, it's that, the yeah. silhouette I'm like that's me that's me and if I was a dog that'd be me as a dog yeah <laughs> do you remember the, I don't know which one it was was it the first film one of the movies Snoopy wanted to uh, I don't know if he was running away or something and he was trying to go do things away from the doghouse. He was leaving home or something. He wasn't at home. And everywhere he went, he saw a sign that said, no dogs allowed. And he was in, and, and every time he saw the sign, you heard a guy go, no dogs allowed. He mm-hmm. tried to get on the bus. There's a sign. No dogs allowed. He tried to go in a restaurant. He just go anywhere. And he couldn't go anywhere. And I thought, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Snoopy. I and mean, as a kid, that's all I was thinking. Like, Snoopy can't go anywhere because they don't allow dogs. Mm. That's terrible. And speaking of that, there was a, we saw someone in town, and we, we always like talking about dogs. And we're winding up to the end of the program here. And what a way to what a great way to close it out by talking about dogs that we love. If you see, if, and I saw somebody break this rule, and I know the first they weren't thinking. I understand, but it's very distracting. And try not to do this. 
as much as I love dogs, if you can, when you're in public, never, ever, ever approach and try to pet a service dog because service dogs are working. And I've always heard people talk, listen, if a dog, if someone's blind and got a dog or someone needs a dog that's walking them or something like that, as much as you want to pet that, never run up to a dog anyway because you don't know what kind of dog it is. It right. Because I always ask you someone. You should always ask. Yes. Like, is that, is, does that dog love people? And as soon as I hear yes, that's permission to pet them, then I'll do it. Because Stacy sees me trying. She goes, I looked around and you were gone. I'm like, oh, there's a dog over there and you're out of my sight. You're over there with that dog. But if it's a service dog helping someone that's blind or someone that's a service dog, and someone will have signs on the side because service dogs usually wear a little uh, uh, harness that has a logo on it or something mm-hmm. like that, helping hands or paws or some paws of the group or whatever. And it'll say, um, I'm I'm working. Please don't pet me or, or just don't don't ignore that because that dog's got a job to do and he does not need to be distracted by I me. And they're good at being general, not distracted. In general, just always ask if it's okay right. to pet Especially, especially at least if it's a service dog, because they are providing a service to that person. And, and I think it's there's a there's a new streaming series. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. It's on Netflix. It's called Dogs, and I'll send you the link because I know you would love it. Every story is about a different dog, different dog situation, different story from around the world of of the love and the things huh. that dogs do. It's on Netflix. And it's tailor made. I think it's Netflix. It might be another one of the streaming because to me they all. I know that I've see the show but now i can't remember what streaming one it is used to be there were only two amazon prime and netflix <laughs> like now there's several of them and i can't remember where it was but i'll find out at the break and tell you where it was and i'll post a link to it on uh, the bk on the air facebook page because it is truly there's one about a guy in brazil who runs a, a, a huge catholic church in brazil and there's a huge uh a homeless dog progr- pro- problem in brazil in this town and he has taken it upon himself to get these dogs adopted and takes them into his home and just mm. and just heals them and helps the ones that legs don't work and they they're sick and stuff and i watched that and i'm like man that guy is just amazing i can't believe he's doing that but i can't believe it because of who he is it's a fantastic one there's one that just a total there's another sports group that uses a bulldog not georgia but it's someone else there's another group that has a bulldog for their mascot and they follow around how they how they treat him like royalty and how they take care of him and promote him and stuff there's that aspect then there's one about you know a service dog how that dog happens. And there's one about a, a guy who's had a dog and grown up with him all his life, and there's other dogs, you know, and he, he loses him and stuff. It's a great show, and it's just called Dogs. Hmm. It's a great title. And now you'd like it. it. I'm going to see the link, and I'll put it up there. So Because we love dogs, and I, even, I would gravitate toward dog shows when they were on. Now, I don't mean dog award shows. I mean shows about dogs. I mean, if it was Lassie, Ren 1010, or Benji... <laughs> Or, you know, any of the dogs. You know, I loved I loved anything about a dog. I wouldn't care. Well, Rin Tin Tin is set during uh, the Western time. I don't care. It's got a dog in it. It's got a big German Shepherd in it. I'll watch it. Stupid comedy like stupid comedy like Beethoven in those movies. Oh, there's yeah. a dog in the canine. Well, we uh, had a good time today as usual. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Alan. You too. And we'll have a good time all week. And we'll be back next week for more uh, Christmas EBK. Love and kisses. That's what a girl gets when she roasts her turkey the Reynolds wrap way. Directions are on the heavy-duty package. First, line your roasting pan with Reynolds Wrap to catch the juices. See how it molds tight and firm? So strong, so tear-resistant. Now, tint the turkey with Reynolds Wrap to keep the bird deliciously moist. Beautiful. Reynolds Wrap. Oven-tempered for flexible strength. Reynolds Wrap.